Glory to God. It's so good to see everyone this morning. Welcome to our first service of the morning, our nine o'clock crowd. We're so glad you're here. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. God's good. Amen. Amen. <laughs> what a privilege to be here to worship the Lord together today. We just want to welcome everyone. Hallelujah. God's been good to us. I just want to share before we open in prayer just a couple of announcements. We want to just remember uh, the Lipsy family, the passing of Ed Lipsy. Um, uh, the service for him will be at uh, Hopewell tomorrow. Uh, they'll be receiving uh, family and friends at 10 and a service at 11. And then we want to remember the Allen family. Sister Betty Allen went to be with the Lord, and uh, her service is on Tuesday. It will be right here at Pleasant Grove Assembly of God. The visitation will be at 10, and then the service will be at 11. Uh, the committal will be across the street at Pleasant Grove Cemetery. So we want to continue to pray for these families. God is so good. He's faithful. Hallelujah. We want to pray that He would comfort them during this time. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Are you ready to worship the Lord this morning? Don't you love the Lord? Oh, we want to celebrate His love today. Aren't you glad that He loves us with an everlasting love? Hallelujah. And we love Him Amen. because He first loved us. He demonstrated His love that while we were yet sinners, He sent His Son Jesus to die for you and for me. That gives us cause to celebrate. Amen. Amen. We stand this morning. We're going to open in prayer. We want to celebrate His love today. We want to worship Him, our King, our Savior. He's worthy this morning. Let's lift our heart, our song to Him. In Jesus' name, Father, we love You. Lord, we thank You for Your faithfulness this morning. We thank You for Your love, Lord God. Father, we celebrate You today, Lord God. We thank You for victory, Lord, that You give us through faith in Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Father, today, Lord God, we invite Your presence that You would fill this place this morning with Your glory, Lord God, that You would receive our worship. God, I pray that You'll minister to hearts today, that You would touch every life this morning in the name of Jesus for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Down at the cross where my Savior died Down where from cleansing from sin I cried There to my heart was the blood of life Glory to His name Glory to His name, glory to His name, there to my heart was the blood of life, glory to His name. 
Just to rest 
trust in you. We will continue to stand confidently upon your good promises. We will again and again believe that you are working in our lives and you will bring forth your victory in your good time. Lord Jesus, we thank you for how good and faithful you've been. We thank you, Lord, how you've brought us through so much. You've come to our aid over and over and we will continue to trust in you and to believe in you 
and to watch your hand work your wonders in our life. Lord Jesus, meet every need, speak to every heart. Let your word ignite fresh faith. Bring us all to a new place of knowing you and loving you. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn to Psalm chapter 4. Psalm chapter 4. We continue this short series on some of the early Psalms. Psalm chapter 4. I want to spend our time this morning speaking about attitudes towards adversity. Attitudes towards adversity. Psalm chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. This is a psalm of David. Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me. Hear my prayer. How long, O men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for Himself. The Lord will hear when I call to Him. In your anger, do not sin. When you're on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abounds. I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safely. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us to learn. Help us to grow. Help us to receive. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. Attitudes towards adversity. Attitudes towards adversity. This psalm is a prayer of relief when calamity has fallen upon Israel. And many people were responding in various ways. Scholars differ at the exact time. Some connect it to Psalm 3. Others believe it took place some other time in David's reign. But what stands out as we study this psalm, are the various attitudes we see in these eight verses. It's amazing how people can face the same situation, yet respond so differently. So this morning we'll just look at the different attitudes that are displayed in the text. David's about to retire for the evening and things were out of his control. So he commits his situation to the Lord. David understood what was More important than the circumstances around him was the attitude within him. And in this psalm, David's going to go from anxiety to assurance, from great pressure to peace, and his attitude played a very important part in the victory. You see, there are many things in life that you and I have just no control over them, but our attitude is not one of them. remember many years ago I read a, a thought from... Chuck Swindoll, and it's been a while since I've read it to you, but let me read this. Chuck Swindoll, the, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures and successes, what other people think, say, or do. It's more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It'll make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that's our attitude. 
I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. And you say, Amen. You know, the Bible talks much about our attitude or the mind of Christ. That we should have the attitude Jesus had or the mindset, the thinking set that Jesus had. First Peter, the fourth chapter, verse 1. Here's just one example of many. Peter writes, Therefore, since Jesus suffered in His body, arm yourselves with the same attitude or the same mind. That's an interesting word. Arm yourself. Think like Jesus did. And here Peter is saying your attitude is being described as a weapon. Your attitude is a weapon in your arsenal to help you live this life. You arm yourself with that same type of thinking Jesus had. Again, your attitude is a weapon in your arsenal to assist you to live victoriously in this Christian life. To help you like Jesus have victory over sin. To help you like Jesus triumph over the evil one. To help you like Jesus to live wholeheartedly for the will and the glory of the Father. Our attitude or our thinking will have a great effect on our Christian experience. And as we study this psalm, we'll look at David's attitude, and then we'll look at David's commentary on the other attitudes that we find in these few verses. Number one, David's attitude. Verse one, this is the attitude of faith. And David just simply says, Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me relief. Relieve me from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. Now, David is praying basically a prayer that says, Lord, enlarge in me. You see, the word distress means pressed into a corner. It means in a place of great pressure, you're constrained, you're in a tight place, a painful place. But the word relief means enlarge in me. Bring me to a spacious place. Make me bigger. Bring me into a broader place in this place where I'm feeling so suffocated. David's praying, Lord, if the trials to make me bitter or better then I choose better. David went from tears to triumph here because he had the attitude of faith. That's an attitude that has a complete trust in God and a complete commitment to God. And that allows God to work not just in us, but in our situations. He's saying, God, this trial is big. Make me bigger. And I want someone to know, friend, God can make you bigger. You might feel you're facing something big. God's grace is greater. You might feel like you have to face something that's beyond you. It's not beyond God. And He's able to enable us to stand and to believe and to trust in our hour of trial. God can make you bigger. Don't sell out and think that you can't make it. You can make it. You can make it. You can triumph over it. For it's not by might nor power, but it's by God's Spirit, saith the Lord. And that Spirit dwells in you. And that Spirit is available to help you and to assist you. Oh God, make me bigger. David's praying, Lord, enlarge in me. Enlarge in my faith. Enlarge in my love. Enlarge in my patience. Enlarge in my endurance. Enlarge in my self-control because the pressure is getting to me. Lord, enlarge in my ability to wait. Enlarge in my ability to forgive and to trust and to believe and to not give up and to not turn back. Somebody just needs to pray this morning. Oh God, make me bigger. This trial's not going to get smaller, but God can make you bigger. Can you say amen? Ephesians 4 and 23. Ephesians 4 and 23. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and he's trying to give these young Christians some word of insight 
and instruction on how to grow and mature and live the overcoming Christian life. He says, be made new in the attitude of your minds. Or be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The new King James, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Again, Paul is saying, young believers, if you want to grow and mature, if you want to advance, there has to be a change in the way you think. Now that you're saved, you've got to think like someone that's saved. My attitude, my way of thinking has changed and must continue to change since I've come to Christ. The Bible calls it the renewing of the mind, the retraining of our thinking. A key that we cannot neglect if we desire an overcoming, maturing Christianity. A new mind, a new attitude, a new way of thinking, a new way of perceiving, a new understanding, a new evaluating that leads to a new responding in life. The Bible has much to say about the believer and his or her attitude in life. Just to name a few, number one, we should have an attitude of gratitude for all that God has done for us and for all that He's brought us through, for all that we presently possess in Jesus Christ. We ought to be a thankful people. The Bible says, Give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, His mercy endureth forever. Thankful, for we know that our sins have been forgiven. Thankful, because we know our destiny lies in heaven. Thankful, because we recognize every good and perfect gift we have has come from the loving hands of our Heavenly Father. Therefore, we're a thankful people. We have a spirit of gratitude. We're not of the world that's just uptight and bitter and complaining. We've got something that the world can't give and the world can't take it away. We've got something here and now and we've got something glorious that awaits. We should have an attitude of gratitude. Those that love and know the Lord, we should have an attitude of humility and service that mark our lives if we're truly followers of Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says in Philippians 2 that our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Or as the King James would say, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. And you are all familiar with that powerful Philippians, the second chapter, where it speaks of Jesus leaving the glory of heaven And taking on not just human form, but the form of a servant. Humbling himself, becoming obedient unto death, death on a cross. And the Bible says, have that mind, have that attitude in your life. He's saying, Jesus, how He humbly served. And how He humbly gave of Himself and sacrificed for others. The attitude of the child of God is not a haughty people, but a humble people. Not a selfishly driven people, but a people that consider others. And are a giving people, a people that are not ashamed to serve like our Lord was not ashamed to wash the disciples' feet. For those that call themselves Christians, there ought to be some markings, some attitudes that they carry in life because of their life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. An attitude of gratitude. An attitude that is a humble life and a giving life and a serving life. Of course, we should have an attitude that is optimistic and expectation and an attitude of hope for we are waiting a future that is secure and a kingdom that will never end. We have an attitude of expectation and 
hope as we walk through this land. For we know that all things work together for good for them that love God. For we know our God reigns and our God is returning. And our times and our steps and our breath are in His hand. Oh, folks, we know the future is bright when Jesus is your Lord and the best. Praise God, it's yet to come. We're talking about the attitude of believers because as we get into our psalm, we're going to see some attitudes that aren't quite up to par for them that would call themselves believers in the true and living God. Lastly, David, he had an attitude of faith. He had an attitude that was trusting God and believing God. We need to have the attitude or the outlook of faith in God for this life as well as the life to come. We are men and women who believe God. We are men and women that trust in the Lord. We are men and women who have put our confidence in Jesus Christ, our rock and a solid, firm foundation. We are those that believe the Bible and we live as though it is true. Can you say amen? We are men and women that walk by faith and not by sight. We believe the good promises. We obey the good commandments and we know that our God reigns in our times. Praise God. They're in His hand. Can you say amen? 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 13. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 13. We're talking about the attitude of faith that David expresses in this psalm and that we need to imitate. It is written, Paul writes, I believe, therefore I have spoken. And with the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore we speak. We are men and women that have the spirit of faith. We believe God and we declare our trust in God. We believe God. If God said it, He will do it. If God spoke it, He'll bring it to pass. We're not afraid of what the newsmen say. We're not afraid of of the worldly threatens and challenges because we've got a better word from on high and we believe that word. We declare that word and we walk confidently upon that word. We have a spirit of faith. Can you say amen? Now David's prayer. Oh, what a beautiful thought in this prayer. Faith calls on God. Faith responds to adversity. The attitude of faith calls on God. And faith looks to and trusts in the Lord when the pressure mounts and life feels like it's constraining us and squeezing us. David's prayer, let's break it down into three sub-points. Enlarge in me. Enable me. Enlighten me. David's prayer, enlarge in me. Make me bigger. Enable me. Give me the grace to walk it through as I ought. Enlighten me. Teach me through this. Grow me through this. David's attitude of faith calls out to God. He says, enlarge in me to be bigger than this. In adversity, when the pressure comes, enlarge in me to be bigger than this, O God. One scholar of old wrote, don't ask for tasks equal to your strength. Ask for strength equal to your task. Many of you remember old Jabez. Jabez. Anybody remember him? First Chronicles, the fourth chapter. The Bible says he was more honorable than his brothers. And though life had dealt him some pain, some misfortune, some trying, constraining circumstances, not of his own making, but he cried out to the God of Israel. And he prayed, O oh Lord, make me bigger. 
He said, God bless me and enlarge my territory. Free me from this pain and use me for your glory. And the Bible says the God of Israel granted his request. Somebody, your prayer today simply, God, make me bigger. God, I'm crying, move the mountain. And sometimes the mountain doesn't move. God gives us strength to walk on it and to climb over it. Somebody, there's power and grace available to you to go through whatever you're facing. The prayer isn't Lord, escape me from it. The prayer is God, make me bigger that I might walk through it. Can you say Amen? God says enlarge and David, enlarge in me that I might be bigger than this. Then He says enable me that I might act better than this. Not give in to the fear. Not give in to the anger. Not give in to the frustration of the pressure and the constraining temptation of compromise. Circumstances. I must not control my character when the heat is on. Faith lives it out when it's easy and when it's not. Faith is what enables us to grow in it and glorify God through it. And as we go through it, meanwhile, we must watch our witness in the distressing place. In the pressure-filled place. Watch our witness. For there are people around us that are looking for that which is real. May they see within us how a true believer goes through the trials of life. I'll never forget, a man said to Brother Shambach one time, he said, man, I don't go to church. There are too many hypocrites in the church. And if you know Brother Shambach, he'd never be at a loss for words. He responded, oh, mister... Don't let the hypocrite send you to hell. He's going with you. Don't let the hypocrite send you to hell. He's going with you. He says, live right and teach the hypocrite how to live. And David's praying, Lord, help me to act better in this. To live this life in the midst of it all. To live like a Christian ought to live. Whether it's easy or whether it's not. Let my life be a witness to that which is real. Can you say amen? Yeah, never had a loss of words. I love that. Don't let the hypocrite send you to hell. He's going with you. That's not going to help you when you stand before God. No, 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 no. Woo, glory. Yeah, yeah. We still do believe in hell somewhere, don't we? Is there still a hell church? Is there one? Did I come to the wrong church? Is it in the book? I know it's not a pleasant topic, but it's a real topic. We can deny it and we can take it out of our mindset all we want, but it's in the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no third choice. All right, let me get back to my notes. Every now and again, we got to check because we lose our theology. We, we, don't, we don't deny it. We just forget about it. Yeah, yeah. David says, enlarge in me. Make me bigger than this. David says, enable me. Help me to live and act better than this. You're better than that. You're a child of God. You can live right even when it's not easy. You can stay pure even when it's not easy. You can stay sweet and gentle even when the tempter is baiting you on. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, if greater is He that's within you, then you can, you can, you can. But number three, not only enlarge me, not only enable me, but enlighten me to be taught by this. Don't waste your sufferings. Don't waste your trials. Recently I had a talk with a dear sister who testified going through a season, a pretty long season, a family and personal crisis. There was health and financial crisis. There was death. There was illness. 
But she testified how through it all she had actually grown to know the Lord in a deeper and more personal way and to know herself. But I responded, but without a teachable spirit, my sister, that wouldn't have happened. You see, an attitude of faith is an attitude that also responds to what we go through with a humble, teachable, pliable spirit. It's how Paul wrote, Oh, that I might know Him, the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings. You see, part of knowing and growing and learning comes through experience of revelation. Some things you don't learn just because you get a Sunday school class in it. Some things you only learn as you walk through it and you experience the grace of God. You experience the provision of God. You can talk about a healer, but then when he heals you, you know a healer. Amen? You, you can talk about a provider, but when your back's against the wall and the bills are due and he comes through for you in a special way, then you can say, keep your testimony. I got my own. Amen? He is a provider. You can talk about grace to go through hard things, but if you've never gone through a hard thing, but when you go through it and you look back and say, man, I, I didn't know I had that strength. And you know you didn't. It was the Lord. Amen. Just when you needed it, he came through. You see, part of knowing, learning, and growing comes through experience. But that demands the right attitude when we go through the season of storm. Some go through it and they became bitter instead of better. Some went through it and they gave in to despair instead of going deeper into growth and knowing God and trusting God. Some go through it and they draw closer to God. Others go through it and they shrink back and drift and want to give up on God. That's the whole thought of this psalm here. They're all going through a great crisis, a national calamity has hit the nation. And it's amazing. All people under covenant with God, but they're responding in various ways. And God reminds us as our attitude, how we respond to trials will make a whole great difference in what that trial ultimately does in me. My attitude determines ultimately the long effects it will have in me. David had an attitude of faith. It brought him through this season of adversity. But there are three other groups in this fourth psalm. Now let's take a look and see who they are. And how David addresses them. Number one, verses two and three. We're just going to walk right through it. This is a simple one. The compromisers. Look at verses two and three. David says, How long, O men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions or love what is worthless and seek false gods or seek falsehood? Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call. Verses 2 and 3. These are the compromisers. They're, they're, they're fickle. They're wavering in their time of trial. This is the attitude of compromise that wants to go back to the old ways when the pressure hits. They're tempted to turn to ungodly methods and actions when the pressure mounts. David says to this group, stop wavering. Stand firm with an attitude of conviction and sincere trust in God. Compromise can't be an option. We're children of God. Yet some get tempted when things are hard to cut corners, to break down and forget their devotions or make moral compromises. They'll do things they know they shouldn't do and they'll blame it on the pressure. David's addressing them. This is the group that gets easily frustrated when things get hard or uncomfortable and they don't have their way. And they tend to go back 
to the false. He calls it the false gods, the false god. But we'll, we'll just, the worldly logic, we'll call it the worldly lifestyle. Start living by the deceptions of this age. Start quoting the ends, justify the means. And there's a situational ethics and so they'll lie, they'll cheat, they'll act like an unbeliever and justify it because of the pressure that they're in. But David says in verse 3, you don't have to do that. He says, don't you know that the Lord has set apart the godly for Himself? He said, don't you know that we are the people of God? We're the sheep of His pasture. We're the apple of His eye. God has distinguished us from all the others and He knows those that are His. David says, listen, He hears your prayers. Lift them up. Wait on the Lord. He'll come through in His good time. He'll deliver you. Just do it God's way. Don't revert back to the old patterns and behaviors, but trust in the Lord and call on the Lord because He will not fail nor forsake His, forsake His people. Again, David said, listen, you don't have to compromise. You don't have to go back and start living like the world does just because you feel constrained or the pressure is mounting. But verse 3, he says, don't you know that the Lord has set apart the godly for Himself? God has his eye on you. The pressure might be mounting. You might feel constrained. The tempter is calling. But the Lord says, when I fly over, I still see the blood. I still see the marking seal of my Spirit. I know those that are mine. And I've got my eye on you. And if you'll just call on me, and you'll trust in me, I'll bring you through. So don't compromise. Don't make excuses to um, go back and do things like the used to in the world, but stand firm in faith and watch God come through for you. Somebody give me an amen. Compromise. Have you ever seen that? You know I'm saying it's true. Isn't that right? They're jumping up and down, shouting and singing, falling down, and then something negative happens to them and you couldn't tell them from someone that never confessed the Lord. Isn't that right? And they want to use that as an excuse. Oh, no. David said, no, no. That's, that's, that's an attitude of compromise. That's not an attitude of faith. But that was the second group, not just the compromisers. Maybe you met some of these people. This next group is what we're going to call the hotheads. Anybody know any hotheads? Don't look at your husband. Don't look at your husband. Look at verses 4 and 5. Don't look at your husband. Hotheads. Hotheads. No, no, no hotheads in the church. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. Look at David writes, in your anger, don't sin. Uh-oh. They're getting angry. You see what I mean? David's calling on God. The pressure is mounting. David's saying, God, make me bigger than this. God, help me to grow through this. Some just get mad. they mad. Why, God, I'm a good Christian. Why should I have to go through this? Ever hear that? That's pathetic in the sight of God. Mark that down. Underline it. Tell them I said so. God's calling people up. God's calling people to new levels of walking with God. Amen? We want to know who's saved and who's not. Come on, let's draw a line. Let there be a distinction. Come on, somebody. In your anger, do not sin. On your bed, search your heart. Be silent. Offer right sacrifices. Trust in the Lord. Don't give in to your temper. Offer right sacrifices. Do the right thing. And trust in the Lord. These are the hotheads. (laughs) Quick to take matters into their own hands. Things get tense. They tend to attack. They like to um, attack first, ask questions, and then apologize later. They tend to let their anger get the best of them. 
And David says, hotheads, don't be driven by your anger or your frustration, your desire for vengeance, your desire to be instant gratification. Control yourself. Entrust this thing to God. Let God fight for you. Remember that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And the Bible, over and over, warns us about the danger of anger, the attitude of anger. James 1 and verse 20. Let's look at James 1 and verse 20. And I confess, as a young man in my late teens, early 20s, this is one of the verses God put in my heart. says, son, you better memorize this, but you've got to overcome a short fuse. And I don't know about you. Some of us had a short fuse. And God had to remind me again and again, that doesn't please me, and that does not produce the life I want out of you. And so I always talk about when you study your Bible, put your name in there. Amen? Put your name on those promises. Well, here's something else. I put my name in because I needed it. The Bible says, James 1 and 20, for man's anger, for Joe's anger, does not bring about the righteous life God desires. He's saying, you know, my anger won't produce God's desired results. My anger doesn't please God, and my anger does not produce what God wants my life to produce. David's warning, hotheads, in adversity, watch your anger. It will just throw you um, out of character. It will just compound, make worse, not better the problem. The flesh says, let it out and you feel better. But what you're letting out are seeds of discourse and seeds of anger and seeds of, of division. Hotheads, give it to the Lord. Keep your composure and your godly character. Jesus will defend you if you'll do it His way. Watch your anger. It's dangerous. Tell your neighbor, watch your anger. It's dangerous. Those words go on. Those words, I mean, I've been in this thing. Didn't have to be in this thing long before I realized. Anybody remember that rhyme? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names. Remember that? Well, I wasn't more than 20, maybe 30 years old when I learned real quick. You know, you've got to counsel people. You don't know. You, don't, you can't counsel yourself. You're 28, 29, but in a church, you've got to counsel people. I learned real quick, people three times my age, they're still being wounded by some unkind word that took place before I was born. I said, good Lord, what happened to that nursery rhyme? Amen. I've learned that people are hurt by words. People are stung by words. People can carry the pain the rejection, the bitterness of an unkind word for years and years and years. That's the Bible. Listen, our anger is a dangerous thing. And you know, some people, again, just look at me. Don't look at the old guy. Some people aren't too bright. How many know in this world, some people are not too smart? Anybody know that? Isn't that right? Man, if you don't know that, I want to sell you something. Amen. They're not too bright. All right. I read a story about a guy out in California. Has to be California. Amen. All right. This is back in the 90s, but a man, Steve Tran from, uh, I don't even know, Westminster, California. He had a bug problem. He had a bug problem. And no matter what he did, he couldn't get rid of his bugs. He got upset. Couldn't get rid of them bugs. You know, some of them bugs are tenacious, man. And well, anyhow, he, he closed the door in the Arizona Republic. said he closed the door on 25 activated bug bombs. 25 activated bug bombs. He thought he had seen the last of his cockroaches that shared his apartment. 
And when the spray reached the pilot light of the stove, it ignited, blasting a screen door across the street, breaking all the windows and setting the furniture ablaze. He said, I really wanted to kill all of them. And I thought if I used a lot more, it would last longer. According to the label, it only took two, two, two canisters that would have solved his, his cockroach problem. But the blast wind up um, causing about $10,000 worth of damage to the apartment. Um, it burned up all the furniture. And the cockroaches, well, he said by sundown, so I'm walking around again. <laughs> Proverbs, for you note takers, Proverbs 29 and 11, only a fool gives full vent to his anger. Amen? Anger is dangerous. So David says, listen, when you're in a tight place, when we all get there, a pressure-filled place, when we all get there, watch the attitude of anger. It's not going to help you. It'll just compound it and accelerate it, and it's not bringing about the blessing God desires. Instead, trust in the Lord and give the problem to God and let God defend you and let God take good care of you. Can you say amen? So David says, all right, compromisers, those are the ones that when pressure comes, they'll start cutting corners. They'll start forgetting the Bible says, thou shalt not. And they'll start justifying behavior because in pressure, all of a sudden, lying's okay. In pressure, all of a sudden, dishonesty is justified. The second group are the hotheads. And David says, now listen, they act first and they, you know, they ask forgiveness later and they bring a mess in their wake. They tend to leave a mess behind. But he says, listen, trust it to God. Give it to God. I know your natural man wants to take matters into your own hands. Your natural man wants to, you know, strangle first, ask questions later, step back, give it to the Lord, and watch God defend you. Now, number three, this last group, we'll simply call them the defeated or the easily discouraged group. Look with me. Verse, um, verse six, verse six. Now, there's a lot of people in this group. There's a lot of, David said many. David said many here. There are a lot of people. When the pressure mounts, they just want to give up. Oh, man, the sky is always falling. Nothing good ever happens to me. I knew you're right, right? Isn't that right? On the, on the, on the tombstone, I, I, I told you I was sick. I mean, I mean, they're just telling everyone. They're just never there. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Many are saying, man, when will things change? When will things finally get better for me? When will I ever get a break? <laughs> David says, let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. Because you know what, God? You have filled my heart in the good times and in the bad. You've filled my heart with greater joy than when the world's grain and new wine abounds. And because, God, I have an attitude of faith that's going to trust you and call on you and offer right sacrifices to you. Lord, I'm going to lie down and sleep. He started out great anxiety, great pressure. By the time he begins to release that attitude of faith and get things in perspective. By the end, Lord, I'm going to lie down and I'm going to get a good night's sleep because, Lord, You alone make me dwell in safety. Lord, I'm not going to turn this way. I'm, not, I'm going to trust You. Now, this group, the defeated, easily discouraged. We would call them the, the people that tend to be negative, tend to be pessimistic. Um, not again. Lord, how long? Why always me? And again, Many in this group stop trying when the pressure comes. Many of them just want to step back and accept the inevitable. See, trusting God doesn't mean accepting the inevitable. 
Trusting God means believing in the Word, casting the care, and believing your God's going to work things for the good. Now, David is saying here, listen, have an attitude of confidence. Believe, don't doubt. Expect, don't give in to despair. And again, our lesson is very simply this. As we, I just want to wind this up. But beware of exaggerating your circumstances. Don't allow the enemy to blow things out of proportion. And remember that a victim mentality will never enjoy the abundant life Jesus desires for all His people. So David's saying, be confident. Believe that you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Believe that God is in control even when you can't perceive it with the natural senses. Believe that He's working in your situation and He's willing to come through for you and He's able to do what no one else can do. One time Jesus said, Stop doubting and believe. Another time He says, Fear not, just believe. And He calls out to the the, the doubters, those that are easily discouraged. And he says, don't give in to that despair. And said, believe in the goodness of God. Believe in the faithfulness of your God. Believe that God can do what no one else can do. Believe that He will never leave you nor forsake you. And though you might sense the pressure, it is God who will bring you through that time. David, in fact, he can say to these men, he said, listen, I've been there a time or two. Psalm 27, David says, there were times when surely I would have fainted. I would have collapsed. I would have just broken down and died if I hadn't believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Someone, you're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living as well as the land coming. You're going to see His hand. You're going to see His grace. You're going to taste of the goodness of the Lord. And you're going to see the wonderful working of Jesus come through for you. So don't doubt. Believe. Don't give in to despair. Believe. And trust in the Lord. And watch Him work for you. Can you say Amen. Psalm 4, attitudes towards adversity. Let us who love the Lord have an attitude of faith. An attitude that says, when the pressure mounts, enlarge in me. Make me bigger than this. Enable me. Help me to live right through this. Enlighten me. Lord, teach me and help me to grow through this. Adversity will come. It's part of the human condition. And our attitude will make a great difference. May the Lord bless His Word to our hearts. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. As we close in prayer, we respond to this Word. Lord, help us to renew our minds. That's the mind of Christ. Help us to believe the Word. And do our best to see things through the lens of Scripture and the truth of God's Word. Let my mind and my thinking be changed to think like someone saved as a child of God. But we pray when we face adversity, let our response be like David's. Let's learn from these others and stay away from them. We can all be tempted to get discouraged. We can all be tempted to give in to anger. But instead, let's choose our attitude. Amen? Let's choose an attitude of faith and trust in God. Amen.
Let us pray. Father, we thank You for these lessons from the life of David. Help us to respond properly in faith when we face adversity. Enlarge in us. Enable us. Enlighten us. And now, Father, I pray for the needs of the people. Father, You know each one by name, every circumstance, every situation. And Father, as Your people look to You and they respond to You with faith, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, respond to their cry. If it's a physical need, Father, in Jesus' name, release healing power now. Father, if someone needs a physical touch right now, in Jesus' name, heal them right now. Let that thing go. And let that thing mend supernaturally in the name of Jesus. If someone's in a financial place, Father God, provide for them. Show them. Show them who you are. You're their shepherd. You're their Jehovah Jireh. If someone has a financial need, Father, come through for them. Bless them. Work in them. Father, I pray for their families. Lord, if families need help, the families need peace. Let a spirit of forgiveness and peace and unity come upon every family. Let every marriage know the blessing of God. Let every relationship between child and parent know the blessing of God. Father, those that might need wisdom have decisions that they have to make. Things in life can be complicated. Things in life can be a little fuzzy. But Lord, You are all wise. And You said if we ask for wisdom, You'll give it. Father, for those that have to make a decision this week, give them the mind of Christ. Give them clear thinking and wisdom from above. Father, I pray for someone that might be tired this morning. Father God, refresh them, refresh them, refresh them. Let their strength be renewed. Let new strength be imparted new joy, new peace, new rejoicing in Jesus' name for someone, Lord. Maybe they're thirsty, just spiritually need more. Spiritually, they're thirsty. Lord, fill them, fill them, fill them, Lord. Give them a fresh filling. Father, lastly, I pray, use. Use those that will make themselves available in this coming week. Use those that will make themselves available in this coming week. Use them. As your vessel, use them to touch lives. Use them to do mighty things this week. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you on Wednesday. Offerings in the back. Watch your distancing.